You're listening to the iRacers Lounge Podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is the podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, David Hall. Good evening. And Greg Hectus later, but he's not here yet. And special guest, Alex McCollum. Hello. Hey, welcome. Thanks for coming, guys. Yeah, right. thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Let's get to know you, Alex McCollum. Uh, we've been watching you race uh, in the Pro Series uh, um, as it just wrapped up here in Homestead, um, trying to get into the Peak Series for 2020, or for the series formerly known as Peak. And uh, so we wanted to bring you on and get to know you a little bit, but let's start back at the beginning. Uh, how did you first hear the word iRacing, and what did you do about it? Um, a lot of friends talked about it, and they're like, hey, you need to try this, so I gave it a shot, and ever since, I fell in love with it. Alright, and are you doing any real racing as well, or? Uh, yes, I race, uh, legend cars in the real world, um, just ended my season, starting to start back up in January. Are you running, like, a track championship, or, uh, more than one track, or? Um, we basically just travel all over the world. Just go for the money races. Um, just go where um all the good guys go. All right, very good. Um, are you running anything else besides i racing, or is that your only racing sim? That's pretty much my main sim. All right, David, you're making noise over there. Sorry about that. All right, no problem. Uh, so when you're not running the the pro series, uh, trying to get into the e NASCAR series, what else are you running out there? Uh, these days i i usually run whatever i like to have fun um i like sometimes i'll run some road some dirt um have some fun with my friends okay absolutely um your overall i rating 7701 uh with a 41 percent win rate those are some killer numbers and so obviously that's why you're in the pro series uh before we talk about that let's talk about your setup there uh, what are you using for hardware, like your pedals, your wheel, uh, how many monitors, VR, that kind of thing? Um, I just switched over to Fanatec. I got the um, Club Sport steering wheel BMW wheel, and then the um, Club Sport racing wheel V2 uh, base, and then the V3 pedals. Um, I used to run the Logitech stuff, and then I decided to make an upgrade, and uh, I used one monitor... I don't I don't like uh going too fancy. I like to keep it simple. But um overall I'm really happy what I have. What do you got the, all that attached to? Is there a cockpit or a desk? Uh just a regular desk and chair. All right, keep it simple. I mean, it works, right? So yeah. what about software? I mean, uh you got TeamSpeak going and uh what else is going on? Uh I usually have Spotify up just listen to music while I race this some Discord and then trade and paint uh I usually don't keep a lot of stuff on my computer because uh, I don't want to drop out in like the big races. Right. All right. Very good. Um, so let's talk a, a little bit about the season so far in pro. Uh, first, going into Homestead, uh, you were sitting there seventh in points. Uh, I'm going to read off your finishes. I, I saw second, 20th, 5th, 25th, 10th, 20th. And so... Uh, Kind of all over the board, but not a bad uh, start to the season with that second and the fifth in there, and I, I think that certainly helped, right? 
Oh, for sure. Again, the second at Daytona helped, for sure. Um, I felt like I could have got better finishes um, throughout the season, but it just came down to luck. And I personally, I can't think it came down to setup, which personally, I didn't think we had the best stuff out there. But I just managed to uh, keep my nose clean and just uh, be there at the end. Okay. Tell us about uh, the team around you, uh, who's helping you with setups and that kind of thing, and who do you run with and uh, that kind of thing, uh, at least for the Pro Series. Um, I'm on Inex Racing, a um, bunch of great guys. They're all cool to talk to. Um, main guy that's over there that helps with the old stuff is Yarlteen. Um, great guy. Loves to help out with people. Uh, and we got Brad Mahar that was uh, with doing the pro stuff with uh, Justin Trombley, uh, Bill Diaz, Colton Davis. Yeah, pretty good uh, lineup over there for sure. Um, so uh, a good group to be with as you go forward into 2020. Um, we'll talk about Homestead here in a little bit, uh, but let's keep going. Uh, next question, what is your most memorable iRacing moment so far? Ah. Uh... That's tough. Um, I recently won a, a showdown race on uh, thir- last Thursday um, in the late model win at uh, uh, Five Flag Speedway. Um, that was a pretty cool win. Yeah, that was uh, something, that showdown, and um, a lot of heavy hitters in there, too. So that's like a pretty stout win to get. Yeah, for sure. All right. Uh, one of the questions that came up uh, from one of the guys on our team about the pro series uh what this pro series run you know it's not a lot of races and so is it based more on luck skill or setup i mean you talked about that a little bit um overall it comes down to skill obviously um we're in the pro season pro pro series for a reason we're trying to make it to the top um the guys are really good competing against and it also comes down the setup and sometimes it comes down the lock. You just got to be in the right place at the right time. All right. Yeah, looking at your profile, uh, last 10 races, you've won the seven of the last 10. So, yeah, you're keeping it, getting it done out there for sure. Um, what driver do you think that's not in the, didn't make into the top 20 uh, this time in the Pro Series that probably really deserves to be there? I mean, you're out there running the laps with them. And so I just want to see if you have a different perspective. Oh, that's tough. There's a lot of people that should be in the series that put a lot of work into these cars. Um, I feel like Brad Mahar should be in there with all the work he does on the cars. Really nice, dude. I just personally feel like he should be in there. Um, Cody Bias. He was really fast all season. Just didn't have the luck he had. And uh, that's it. Yeah, I was going to say Cody Bias. I mean, he's been up front, too, uh, running in some of these races and then it not work out, right? Yeah, he's been super quick, running top five. I think half, he has the most laps led, 208. But, um, he was pretty quick all season. Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, my heartfelt guy who didn't make the top 20 this year, uh, uh, Timmy Hill. I mean, uh, Timmy Hill's been in there a long time. And uh, it's going to be a little different when he's not there. Yeah, for sure. But um, he's usually pretty pretty quick. Um, just didn't have the luck he needed uh, for the pro series this season with all competition we had. All right. Very good. Uh, now, how can the listeners follow you on social media? Uh, do you do t- Twitch or Twitter or what? Um, 
I mostly do uh Twitter and Alex McCollum. I'm not. I do. I just started doing social media. Like I just post about uh, my real world racing and some Irison events that um, end up happening. All right. Very good. Well, let's jump in and talk about the final race of the season. Uh, first of all, congratulations. You got P9 and points. And so, uh, first of all, before we talk about the race, does that meet your goal for the season? I mean, what was your goal and did you meet it? Oh, for sure. I just wanted to um, have a decent run in pro. To even make it is super cool. To make it to the top level in Iris and is, it's, it's amazing uh, knowing I can compete with these guys. All right, very good. So let's talk about Homestead. Uh, Nathan Lyon wins the race, um, boy, and he deserved it. After heartbreak, uh, like the last three races, uh, he's been in a position to win. Uh, he finally closes the deal, so uh, great job for Nathan Lyon. Uh, he even had to survive several late restarts, but was able to uh, get away from the others each time. Uh, Brian Blackford was second. Uh, he did not make the top 20, though, even though he had the pole for that race. Uh, so heartbreak for him. Uh, Jeremy Allen, P3. Ray Alfala, P4. And that's enough for Ray to win the championship, and he wins the points championship. So uh, great recovery for Ray um, to get the points done. Yeah. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Uh, Dead Zone and Nathan, they they were hooked up all season. Um, they, I, I think they're the best team out there for the Pro Series. Um, they have a really good lineup going into the peak. Uh, uh, the series going next year, um, they should be team to look out for. Absolutely. Uh, fairly clean through most of the race early on, but after a long run, with about 30 to go, a couple got together. Everyone pits, but guess what? Alex McCollum, you stayed out. I was shocked. Uh, and, and we saw Michael G do this, I think, last week, and it didn't work at all. Tell me what you were thinking when you stayed out. Uh, I just, I didn't have really bad tires for him, so I'm like, I can risk it because I got nothing to lose. I was already locked in, but I also don't want to ruin people's opportunities to make it on the line. So I tested out the tire spin. It didn't seem too bad. But um, as soon as I went, I knew I was going to be terrible in one. So I let Nathan go and just went darted to the right and let everybody go. So I didn't ruin uh, people's opportunities that were on the line. Yeah, I saw you went high up to the wall and let the field go by. I think you were P22 uh, before that or so um, when you decided to stay out. So um if the wheel spin wasn't a, as bad on that restart, you probably would have, you know, it probably would have worked out. But like you said, you did let everybody go and you kind of ended up back where you started. So uh, anyway, that was interesting uh, when that happened. Now, uh, Michael Garigula missed all the late wrecks and ends up with the top 10 and literally raced his way into the top 20 in points. He was on the outside looking in. And uh, Cody Bias, boy, heartache for him. Like I said, he fell out of the top 20 after being involved in some late wrecks. Uh, I think the big uh, replay of the race was Brad Mayhar. Uh, he missed a big one, uh, and he, like, totally threaded the needle between two wrecking cars. It was quite the replay. Oh, yeah, for sure. That was crazy uh, wreck avoidance from Brad. But um, race was pretty good. Um, it stayed green for a while. And then at the end, it started getting yellow. Yeah. Um, 
it, at first, you know, I was kind of surprised by the early uh, green stuff, um, but it is homestead and every, you know, there's a lot of lanes. And, but once the restarts started happening, I mean, tell us about those restarts. I mean, there were three, four wide at, uh, at times, but it, it seemed to work out. There was enough room. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. We Everybody knew going into homestead it was going to get crazy, how much is on the line. Um, but pr everybody played it smart. Everybody gave each other room, let people go. The rate, uh, when they're accepting, it just looked like a wrecking uh, incident. Uh, nothing too bad. It's just a racing deal. All right. And so notables, uh, Casey Tucker and Brian Blackford, uh, they were 21st and 22nd uh, in points slip uh, from slip angle. Um, and they missed the top 20 by only two points. I mean, boy, what to go through the entire season of races uh, in this series and, and only miss it by two points. And there were three people there within two points of each other. I mean, uh, way, uh, a lot of drama there as, as far as the cut line. Yeah, the points were really close. Um, it pretty much came down to, uh, I think Blackford had to win the race to get in. Uh which is a bummer that he couldn't get in. He was super fast that night at Homestead. Um, pretty cool to get Gaston. He's pretty quick. Um, Tucker, he showed, uh, Casey Tucker showed pretty good speed all season long. Yeah, and, it, you know, to watch Brian at the end, that was so exciting. Uh, I don't think they were really talking about it on the broadcast, but I was aware that he had to win, and, and he was inching his way up every restart, and then he, you know, ended up finishing second. I mean, it, all he needed was one more spot, and he would have made. Yeah, it's probably frustrating for sure, but like, um, at the end, you're competing with the best guys on the oval series. Um, but he did a really good job keeping the nose clean. Uh, sucks that he came up one spot short. Okay, very good. Um, and then shout out to Podium Esports again. Uh, they really made this series. Uh, for me anyway as a as a viewer to be able to talk about it on the podcast and whatnot and i couldn't have done it without podium obviously doing the broadcast so um, kudos to those guys they really do a good job yeah for sure it's pretty cool that they broadcasted the um the race all season long um pretty cool i can go back uh did some homework see what we could do better but um pretty cool we can go back and watch the races absolutely so, uh, David, let's shift gears to the eNASCAR iRacing World Championship 2020 announcements. So, they're going full bore. Uh, everything has, uh, there's a lot of new news out. Starting with Stuart Haas Racing is hopping over to eNASCAR iRacing World Championship. We have a timeline of some of the uh, announcements, including an Adam Stern tweet, the Stuart Haas announcement. They've got it on their website. Um, they're coming over. And joining eNASCAR, leaving the, uh, I believe they were on the NASCAR heat side last last season. Yeah, um, they were doing heat only. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but um, it, it was interesting. One of the tweets, you know, was said something about the eNASCAR series being the only officially licensed series. So we were we were kind of excited to see that and wondering who actually came up with that part of the tweet and if it is official, official, or if it's just official. Yeah, there is some uh, wording out there. I mean, we really haven't heard about uh, a title sponsorship either to replace the uh, peak antifreeze. Uh, that still seems to be out, out there. But it's neat to hear about the Stuart Haas uh, coming over um, and joining uh, in this uh, deal. 
Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, it's pretty crazy how Irish and how far they came. Um, with all these NASCAR teams coming aboard for next year, it's pretty cool. Um, it's just crazy how far Irish's came with the how realistic it is compared to real life. I use it to test um for my real world experience. Um, helps a lot with the tracks I go to. Overall, just a really good um sim do. Okay, and then next up, uh. That was earlier last week, and then I uh, saw some guy on Facebook in one of the groups uh, who was asking, well, hey, I work for a company that wants to sponsor one of these guys uh, for the season in 2020 in the Peak Series. Uh, How do I get a hold of these teams? And so I got his email, and I sent it over to Greg West and uh, Tyler Hudson over there at iRacing, and I'm sure that they have a list that they can hook him up with, and... uh, so it was kind of neat to get involved with that. And then uh, earlier today, we heard about uh, three other teams being added. Uh, William Byron, Denny Hamlin, and Kyle Larson are now fielding teams uh, in the Peak Series as well. And so that's a total of 20. And so two cars for 20 teams. We got 40 drivers. Everybody is going to be on a team. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, those guys coming on board. Um should be a really good season uh, next uh, next year. A um, lot of great uh, competition coming. Should be really good racing. Yeah. Alex, have you heard anything along the lines of if the relegation will still be a factor for the bottom 20 at the end of the season? Uh, I have not. I would have guessed so. It's always been that way. But anyway, there was an announcement uh, earlier today uh, from Tony Gardner. He says, we're elated to announce those 20 teams. Here is the list. Uh, teams in bold uh, will be new for the upcoming season. And so we just mentioned those, Stuart Haas, Denny Hamlin, uh, Kyle Larson, uh, and so forth. Uh the other announcement here is, he says, the, the competition will be tougher as all 40 drivers on the grid will race for these professional teams with a free agency period starting on Friday, December 20th for drivers and teams to come to agreement on 2020 partnerships. Okay, so that's tomorrow. We're, we're recording this Thursday the 19th. So, Alex, uh, this is exciting. Uh, are you, tell us, you know, what is your plan about uh, trying to uh, get with these teams, uh, you you are certainly a free agent because this is your first year. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's pretty cool uh, what they're doing. Um, starts tomorrow, so um, gonna see what happens. Uh, see what comes to me. See what uh, just wait for the opportunity. All right. Well, um, I, I it'll, you'll certainly be on one of the teams because all the drivers uh, will be on one, and so. We do have all the drive uh, team lineup. Uh, the one team that's not in that was there last year is trying to find it. Uh, I think Flipside. Oh yeah, Flipside Tactics. That's right. They're the ones who did not return, but we got a bunch of new ones. And I think my first question when I saw this was, what if another team owner comes in and wants to join? How did they get in if the roster is full? Uh, I'm not sure about that. Um... It'd be pretty cool to have another team. Uh, it's pretty cool um, that they're able to do this. Yeah, and then uh, one of the teams, I, I don't think we mentioned, VRS is actually one of the teams, Virtual Racing. And so uh, that's, I don't know if, if there was an announcement about that, but 
they're they are on the list as a new team for 2020. So you you have to wonder. Uh, first of first of all, are the VRS drivers or the drivers that are the VRS coaches like Keegan Leahy, for example, is he going to go to that team or will Keegan stay where he was on on G two? Um, so that's the first thing that comes to mind. Yeah, I was actually uh, talking about that. Seeing um, is Ray is sponsored by VRS, so he might be going over there. Egan might be going over there. It pretty much we won't know until they uh, release who's going where. Well, you mentioned free. You mentioned that they're doing a free agency period, and last year it was only drafts. So, if they're taking more of the everybody just signs who they want to sign approach, uh, they they could probably go where they want this time instead of just being drafted. Yeah. There's no draft at all, so. Yeah, there's no draft. It's agency, so, um, honestly, I'm pretty grateful where I'm at right now just to make it to the top series in Irison. Well, absolutely. Uh, well, thank you for coming on, Alex uh, McCollum. Uh, getting to know you a little bit and talk about your uh, legend racing, but uh, more importantly, I think this 2020 eNASCAR racing series uh, you raced your way in. Congratulations. I mean, uh, tell us real quick, I mean, about the, the path to get there. What did you think about the road to pro in the truck? And then you had to switch to the B car. And now all of a sudden you're back to the A car. And so was that the right approach? And, and, and how long did it take? I mean, it took you almost a year to get to this point. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a long process, but you just got to be patient and just work hard a lot of laps were put into the season. Um, a lot of set, like a lot of setup time. Setup takes a lot of time, but also run laps to get used to the track. Um, it's definitely for sure um, a crazy season. You just got to keep your nose clean and just stay out of the wrecks. All right. Well, very good. Uh, good luck uh, in your rookie season uh, going in. I hope you can stay in for many years to come. And uh, congratulations on the top twenty. Thank you. All right. We'll catch you on Twitter. Um, thanks for coming on. All right, uh, David, let's jump to Road to Pro. We got an update on that, or I guess a non-update. Well, it's an update that there's an update coming, I guess you might say. Uh, so they haven't finished up the Road to Pro schedule just yet. Tyler said they'll have it out shortly. There's some things that they're having to work out with, uh, with the World Championship Series. So once that all is finalized, they'll be able to finalize the schedule. It'll be running just like last year opposite on opposite Tuesdays of the Peak Series. Well, I'm sorry, formerly Peak Series drives. I'm going to catch, I'm going to catch myself doing that all year probably. Uh, uh, they're going to try to run the truck schedule as close to the Gander Outdoors as possible. And they will have the schedule completed as soon as they can. Yeah, no big changes. So same format, pretty much. Uh, there were a lot of people, I remember last spring, wanting something different than what they were doing. Uh, but it looks like they're not changing it. And uh, moving on, we, uh, we've already had a couple of patches come out. Uh, Irishing does a great job of staying on top of everything as quick as they can. And in fact, you were having a com we were having a conversation earlier in Messenger about something you had just noticed. And it's already addressed later. But Season 1 patch is out. We have a link to the patch notes. There's a couple of pieces of information about the beta UI as well. Um, they've opened the AI for the MX-5. A few of our guys have tried that out. I haven't had a chance to be on the service uh, since, well, I ran last night, but I didn't check out the MX's. 
right, so they've added that, and the VRS series has also had to be switched to standing starts, and they are also putting out a fix for an aerodynamic issue with the CE trucks. Yeah, well, so I can uh, comment on all these. I ran the AI in the Mazda. I love it. Uh, not much of a road guy, but I turned down the strength. And if I turn it down far enough, I can get it to where they, you know, they're just about as fast as me. And it's kind of fun. And so I really liked it. And, and for the first time, I want to say something nice about the beta UI. You have to use the beta UI to use AI. And it was, for the first time, intuitive, fast, easy. Uh, I liked the wizard-like interface for AI. Uh, it was quick and and simple to get into a race. Uh, once you set it up the first time, you can just go back in and hit race and just jump right in and do a restart. Um, and so I really liked it. Uh, as far as my impression of the AI, it, it was great, but... I expected them to wreck more. I expected them to go off track more. I expected to be more human-like behavior. They all are online. They never leave the line. It's almost too perfect. And even when I turn down the percentages, um, it still feels too perfect. I, I think they need to, you know, make it where they dra they race like me, where I can't hit the same line every time. You know, yeah, that might be that might be interesting. Um, machine learning is sometimes can definitely in that kind of a situation be too good when you're trying to turn around and then make them unlearn what they learned. Uh, the patch also included some a, a, a bunch of small fixes, and they've added the V7 to the B car now that the Pro Series is done. They did some new balance of power adjustments on the GT3 cars, and there's some penalties now for driving on flat tires. Oh, I'm not sure. Yeah, they give you a uh, ball. Okay. And, and so, uh, that just forces you to pit. So remember, we had that discussion a few weeks ago about flat tires. And if you got a flat, it actually goes faster and this and that. And so it wasn't even realistic. So this was the result of that was, oh, we're just going to make it a meatball if you get a flat, which forces you. It all seems exciting. Uh, I'm ready for a Christmas vacation because I'm going to go ridiculous on the amount of racing I do while I'm, while I'm at home. Uh, sea truck. Let's stop there for a sec too. Uh, you mentioned aerodynamic issue. Okay, so I ran pickup cup a couple times today at Charlotte, and whoa, it's way different than it was last week. I mean, last week the thing was pinned; you could go flat on qualifying. You know, not now. the The back end wants to come around. You go straight down the back stretch, halfway down the back stretch. The back end wants to go to the right. Um, it's a handful. I mean, and, uh, a lot, everyone when the race was talking about it, we don't know if it's the tires or the aerodynamic, uh, uh, changes they've made, but it, I think it's aerodynamic. It almost feels like they took a ton of downforce off the spoiler. Like, like they cut the spoiler on the back in half or that's what it feels like. And this is after the patch, right? Yes, this is after the patch. And so it's much more difficult to drive this truck at Charlotte. I, I, it almost reminded me like of the old A-car. Interesting. So check out the patch notes if you'd like. And then we've got to move on. We're going to move on to a clarification about the new penalty system for specifically. Um, I mean, it's been incorporated in a lot of series, but this is really tailored towards the special events. Uh after instead of having disqualifications now in the special events, there's just a, a stop and go that you will get after so many penalties. And they wanted to clarify that all those penalties will be stop and goes. I guess they have not had a, a way to incorporate 
the uh, drive-through yet. So at the day twenty-four, day at the Daytona twenty-four, you can go a hundred incidents before you start collecting stop and goes every twenty incidents. Also, here's here's an interesting thing. If you decide to go ahead and turn that into a service pit as well, you get extra pit time because. Um, the, you're basically not when you're serving a penalty you're not allowed to take service or you're going to get more more penalty time because part of the drive-through stop penalty stop and go penalty is the time you have to spend on pit road so i the way i read this you got to uncheck the fuel uncheck the tires uncheck the window tear off no service at all or if you do take any service they issue an additional penalty time correct all right so the other thing that was a little confusing, it says there's a hundred after a hundred point incident limit, you have the stop and go, and then a twenty point limit after that. So that means every twenty you have another stop and go? Correct. Wow. At Daytona, if you're up to a hundred incidents, you're not having a good day anyway. Yeah, I guess so. I, there's um the only place there's where you can where you, where the the 1x is really start to rack up is if you cut the bus stop a little bit too much so you you can cut that anywhere else if you're collecting ONX you're also probably not controlling the car so is this an improvement is this what we want i th i think so the only thing i'm nervous about is is having no dq option in there means that if somebody just wants to go screw it, I'm going to ruin everybody's race, they can wreak havoc and never get disqualified. I mean, it'll be the end of their time in the service probably, but they could go just go around, they could go around collect, just wrecking everybody if they wanted to and, and still be on the track. I would imagine there still might be a high DQ limit, they just not haven't mentioned it, but I don't know. It'll, it'll say, you know, and you never know, there will be some, there could be some unintended consequence that nobody sees coming that'll come up and they'll learn from it and adjust for the next time. All right. Um, let's keep moving. What is the plan for Chili Bowl next year? Um, we did see in the a forum, Greg West cleared up um, the new incident system in that thread. Uh, Tyler Hudson was given light on the Chili Bowl special event. Um, according to Tyler, they'd have a dedicated time slot for Monday through Friday with a super session taking the drivers that got the most points Monday through Friday for the Saturday race. Uh, the plan would be to have 60 car splits with E through B mains to get into the feature. Uh, this is awesome. I mean, uh, the Chili Bowl has that neat uh, format where you literally have to kind of race your way in throughout the week, um, you know, to get through the different mains and into the main event. Uh, I like it. I didn't know they could do it. That was something that they added in the recent patch, is the ability to have a, a certain number of people make a certain race based on a previous event or a previous series even. All right. And then real life racing for Chili Bowl, we got a, a peek at Christopher Bell's ride and the iRacing paint job he will be running. Uh, a little bit different than before. It's got some black on it, um, but it looks good. What do you think? Yeah, I got a peek at it earlier, but uh, those those cars are always nice looking. It's always great to see i racing on the real cars. It's just as much as it's always great to see the um, you know some of the real paint schemes in i racing. The, the, all the crossover is part of what what we enjoy about this service. Now, 
I'm not much of a dirt guy, but uh, a little bit I try to follow. Um, I my understanding is Christopher Bell has switched teams this year uh, for the Chili Bowl, and this is a new team for him. Uh, even though he's always a contender, uh, so he's with Tucker Boat Motorsports, and that's uh, you know Billy Boat and those guys. It'll be interesting. I'm uh, I'm sure all the Dirt fans will be looking forward to watching the real event and the and the virtual event. So speaking of virtual tracks that may only exist in the virtual world in the near future, uh, NASCAR Iri- NASCAR actually decided to help iRacing out with North Wilkesboro recently. Um, very recently, there was a tweet put out for basically any kind of media that iRacing could use for the art department to go ahead and start building a background. They're trying to get it to look similar to 87. And per, per, quite quickly after that request was put out, NASCAR made available on YouTube the races from 1987 that were held at North Worksville. Yeah, full-length race uh, put out on YouTube uh, shortly after uh, iRacing asked for help. So that's pretty cool. And they should be able to recreate it pretty good from that YouTube. I watched a few minutes of it and... Uh, it's got great views of every part of the track, so it's going to be cool to kind of race in 1987. Now, if they could only, uh, you know, scan the car that goes with it, you know, like that old Dale Earnhardt Wrangler car. That would be pretty exciting, but I'd, I like, I'd like the chance to uh, run the, you know, in the newer cars there too, just like they, they do at Rockingham a lot. Um, I'm, I guess I'm not as nostalgic in, into running the older cars as, as some people, but... It's going to be neat to be able to run a historic track that doesn't exist anymore. In fact, uh, there is a forum post, uh, a poll by Brad Klink on the forums, and he said, please give us the old NASCARs with North Wilkesboro. And uh, the poll came in at 88% said, yes, we want that. Uh, 12% said no. We talked talked about it a little bit uh, in an earlier podcast that if there is a classic car that might have a shot, it would be an 80s a late 80s early 90s stock car because that was a one of the heydays before engineering really started to take things over but just from a marketing perspective and just for you know continuity wouldn't it be great that they released a 87 car with the 87 track at the same time as a package kind of thing you know i could even see doing a little series that's right. little that's just at that track just a, even a fun one or something, but yeah, um, let's get it. Uh, it's you know we know Dale Jr. has that car, and he's got he's got his uh, uncle restoring it and stuff. So, and continuing to talk about North Wilkesboro, uh, we did have a, a another podcast. We like to listen to a lot of the other guys too. Uh, we're all you know, that's the great thing about the podcasting world is it's kind of a to to borrow a term from from DW, it's kind of a coopetition thing in a way. Uh, but North, uh, Culp Hearn reacted to the new cup sponsorship. And also actually I'm, I'm reading the wrong headlines here. There was something along the lines. He was talking about, I guess the headline is different than what's actually in the tech well, it's text. A, you're reading the name of the podcast. Yeah. It's actually the teardown okay. is the name of it. Right. Uh, and it's Jeff Gluck's, uh, podcast uh, he works for the athletic.com now and so they renamed it from the Je- the untitled jeff gluck podcast to now it's called the teardown but anyway jordan uh was on there with him who's a uh, m- uh media guy 
he went to the North Wilkesboro with Dale Jr. on that day that they did the cleanup. And he was reporting back on the podcast that, hey, that track is really, really deteriorated and there's no chance NASCAR could ever come back there. They, if they did, they would have to bulldoze everything and to start over. Uh, none of the structures are, are what you would say habitable. Uh, you know, they're probably even dangerous to even walk into. Um, and just the way that, you know, things are, like if you look at what they did in Phoenix with the track there, uh, they would have to start over and it would cost many millions of dollars uh, if NASCAR wanted to go back to a track like this. And so he kind of put the nail in the coffin for me that that was even a possibility after all this. And uh, he just wanted to let the fans know. All right, let's keep moving. An, an announcement. Uh, Speed 51 partners with the Western Super Series League. And uh, motorsports broadcaster Speed 51 is known for bringing the Snowball Dirty, the Snowball Derby. Uh, they did announce um, that they're teaming up with the Western Super Series League. And uh, they're going to be broadcasting uh, those events. Um, so iRacing is going to be on Speed 51 uh, this league. Uh, we talked about these guys this last summer uh, when they did the Rory Price Memorial Asphalt Sprint Car Race in partnership with Evergreen Speedway up in Washington State. Um, and uh, that was that double header where they had the real race and the sim race kind of thing. Uh, but anyway... Uh, Kudos to them. Uh, uh, you know, what do you think about Speed 51 getting involved in sim racing? It just reinforces the fact that the the virtual world and the real world are, are merging. And, you know, uh, it's always exciting to see real broadcasters come over because the, you, we saw it with the NBC simulcast and when they broadcast the, the, the peak races as well. Um, it's neat hearing those voices cover sim racing when we're so used to just hearing those iconic voices cover cover t you know the tv the real life races um i can't wait until we can get mrn to to do a broadcast of of a sim race oh, yeah. that i will i uh, that that's just literally a, that would be almost a bucket list thing for me is to hear dave moody and and uh the the, cr like the crew call it like a regular race and and I I prefer radio coverage over TV coverage just about any any day so they'd be exciting it's always exciting to hear the real guys come over to the sim side so they already did the first race that's uh, on Tuesdays and so the first one was this Tuesday at uh, the virtual Irwindale uh, January seventh is the next one they're on break until then at South Boston. And so, uh, check it out, guys. Go to Speed 51 and watch you some, uh, some uh, super lates. So, I, know, I tend to be known as the endurance guy for the team. We're running, uh, and there's a new series coming out that I'm excited about. There's a, they've cut a couple of series and replaced it with this. So, the, one, the ones that we've lost were the Roar before, as well as the Six Arrows at the Glen. But there's going to be a four-race, 12-hour series going on this year and they're going to be running the 2x sun and i will definitely be putting together a group of us or some of my elite west uh allies to run this i'm uh, looking forward to it so my understanding is the community was asking for the 10 hours at suzuka you know to match a, a, a real world race and this is what we ended up with instead we ended up with the 12 hours 
but also to go with it, the 12 hours of Silverstone and Barcelona and Circuit of Americas. And so uh, that's what we got. It's a four race season and uh, they're going to keep points in IS style throughout the year. Uh, first race, April, then June, then August, and then October. That Circuit of the Americas is a tough track. I still have not tamed it at all. All right. What do so you, you think of the vehicle lineup here? I have actually not had a look at the vehicle lineup. Is it? Yeah. Is it? It's either going to be the IMSA cars or the Le Mans cars. Let's we see. We got GTE, GT3, GT4, and TCR. Ah, so this is this is kind of a new lineup. Yeah, that, that'll be interesting. I've driven the TCR car once now, and that's a whole new world. Um, so yeah, that'll be exciting. Uh, no Ferrari, no Ferrari GTE, but this looks like a chance for them to put the the, the 488 GT3 to use. Yep. And you mentioned, what do you think about the 2X Sun? So the 2X Sun, so what does that mean? It means it speeds up the wet, the two, the sun moving through the sky double at time. So in a 12-hour race, you'll have a full 24 hours of the sun going through the sky. And right off the bat, I'm like, no, an official race. We can't do this in official. And I thought when we re released the, the sun moving thing, they said we would never do this in official. It's for unofficial and hosted in league and all that. But here we are with official races for the first time ever, I think, with 2X Sun. And boy, I tell you what, I'm not the only one in this thread who thinks that way. If you go through this thread and each page, there's five pages so far. I, I did, and I went through all five pages and read the responses. I would say 90% of them don't like the 2X. And that's what everyone is replying about. It's not like, oh, let's have a great series and this looks awesome. It's like, why in the world are we doing 2X Sun? Let's put it to 1X. Uh, but there are, uh, you know, maybe 10% that thought it was okay. And you can count me in the 10%. I, I think it's pretty exciting. It is a simulation. Um, I don't think it makes it too arcadey. I mean, remember, we can go and practice and wreck a car five times. That You can't do that in real life. So there's, there are some things that a simulation grants you that it, that it, uh, that it either doesn't. And having the sun go at 2x is not going to drastically alter the race. I would actually be in favor of being able to, for league racing or and even some special series to have tires wear out twice as fast to force people to pit more often because our races don't run as long. Uh, so I don't think it ruins the authenticity of the sim because it is still a sim. If you jump on a flight sim and you, you're practicing taking off and then you're going to have a five-hour cruise f across the country, um, you're not going to sit at your computer for five hours. You're going to time warp to the next time you actually have to do something on, on, on the plane. So, so, you know, I don't think that it ruins the authenticity. authenticity. So count me in the 10%. Yeah, I think I'm 90. I, I, what I look back to is my experience at, I think it was Le Mans, uh, doing my shift as the sun was coming up. And I, I think I got in the car when it was totally dark, you know, and as the hours uh, progressed, it would get lighter and lighter. And then before you know it, I felt like I had to put on sunglasses. And, and it's a neat effect. And I like that it was real time. I like that it was so gradual that I didn't really notice it until I felt like I had to put on sunglasses all of a sudden. And I just feel the 2X is going to ruin that effect. And it's very subtle, but it was something I noticed and still remember today. So uh, as, if you read this thread, you'll see a lot of people with similar uh, responses to what I just said. But 
Uh, I hope they change it myself, but uh, once they announce stuff like this, they rarely change it. All right. So, Mike, do you have any tattoos? I no, I hate tattoos. I will never have a tattoo. So you wouldn't get a a, a eye racing tattoo on your arm, would you? If I ever did, that would probably be because I'm such a fan, but probably not. But we have a picture of someone who did. Uh, Michael Tuck uh, posted up a pitch of a picture of his right forearm, and he has got the colored eye racers uh, not eye racers lounge eye racing logo. With the, you know, the driver with his hands up in the air and the red and the blue. Uh, right on the inside of his forearm. It's pretty big and uh, bold and proud. Yeah, if somebody puts the uh, Irish Lounge podcast tattoo on their skin, I'll put their face on my car. Okay, there you got a challenge, guys. Do it. <laughs> but uh, I, I think that's the first time I've seen an iRacing tattoo. That's commitment. And uh, when you commit to a tattoo like that, which is permanent... You want to make sure that service ain't going anywhere. And uh, David, uh, what did we see today that tells us it's probably not going anywhere? 100,000 active iRacing members. New milestone. Six digits, baby. Six digits, yep. Uh, iRacing announced just today 100,000 subscriptions. So Now, is that active drivers? No, but that's paid subscriptions uh, where they have active accounts. So that means... Um... Yeah, uh, uh, that means a hundred thousand times the whatever price they're taking. Because yeah, they you know there's discounts, so call it nine bucks a month. Yeah, so do the math. There you go. Uh, one thought I had was how many of the hundred thousand are uh, a second account for people? There's definitely quite a few. Um, a lot of the racers who've reached really high I ratings will will have a second account so that they can run uh other more fun races without worrying about their their i rating tanking uh we know dell jr started a new account because he kind of wanted to retire the old one since he had been away from i racing so long yeah ty majeski has two that are both above ten thousand. yeah so there's people out there that have two and then you have places like the nascar hall of fame you know where they have you know accounts for each rig and and commercial ones like that so how many drivers do we have well in a few weeks, I would say you could easily say we have 100,000. But right now, they hit the 100,000 subscription mark. But once the ranks grow a little bit further, yeah, you could easily say we have 100,000 drivers racing. That's a good sign that the service is healthy. And, of course, as you know, we're, we're iRacing fans. That's why we do this podcast. And so it's always good to see this kind of news. Well, and how long did it take to get to 100,000? I mean, we're 11 years or something. How long will it take to get to 200? You know, will that next 100 come quick? You know, with everything that's going on with the esports? I, I hope so. I think it will. It can grow, but I can also think of a lot of other online, you know, kind of sort of massive type games or any kind of multiplayer games that kind of come and go. But one of the thing, one of the things that iRacing does, they continue to evolve. But you know, racing fans that get that also get into sim racing tend to have more longevity because it's a it's a lot more of a passion than say Call of Duty. All right, congratulations to iRacing. Uh, next up. A sprint car setup tutorial has been posted for the 410 winged sprint car in the forums by uh, Scotty Edwards. And uh, he posted up a ton of stuff. I mean, it's literally a wall of text about how to set up these cars. And um, from I kind of perused through it. 
I don't know anything about setups, but the kind of discussion and, and language he's using and whatnot, it certainly looks like he knows what he's talking about. And yeah. Will couldn't make it tonight. He would be, he would be our best source for this because he, as he does quite a bit of road uh, or dirt racing, because um, I don't. So it, you look at it and it looks like it tells you all the things you need need to know. I kind of hope somebody does this for the hybrids as well because um, you look at most of that setup. And other than the battery system, I don't know how to work most of it. Yeah, this guy is literally giving you a definition of everything like bump stiffness torsion bar stops, rebound stiffness, packers, wheel spacing, bump rubber rate. I mean, there's just all these different things. It just goes on and on and on. And he describes them and how to adjust. How do you make the car tighter? How do you make a car looser? And he gives you bullet points of what, what to try. And, and so if you're really wanting to learn setups on this car, man, this is a great, great resource. So check him out, Scotty Edwards. Of course, we have links in our show notes, and you can find the show note description in the description of the podcast. So look at that and click on it. So we continue to talk all the time about the crossover between sim racing and real racing, and we have a link coming up next that's uh, to a YouTube video with the with World Rallycross driver Andreas Beckerud, uh, and he's talking about the importance of, importance of sim racing to him in his latest video and how he's actually using it to improve his real-life racing. And I love, I'd like to get the chance to talk to just about any real-life racer that also uses the sim racing to, to improve their on-track performance. Yeah, I watched this video um, the other day, and he obviously got the equipment from Fanatec and Playseat, uh, probably pro bono, uh, for doing this video. I mean, he, he pretty much plugs them like a commercial throughout the video. So uh, that would be my guess. Uh, he also had a buddy there who's been involved in iRacing for some time, kind of helping him get set up and started because this is his first time on iRacing. And at the end of the video, him and his buddy uh, were trading off uh, doing lap times and see who was better. And his buddy actually was a bit faster. And uh, he got a little, pe well, not peeved, but a little uh, fired up about that. And it was an interesting watch. Uh, uh, he has a lot of viewers. He has 37 subscribers. He had 13,500 views so far on this video that was just released a, a, a few days ago. So uh, very popular, obviously, outside the United States and uh, getting a lot of views about iRacing. Always good to see. Uh, so, Mike, have you gotten all your uh, Christmas shopping done? I haven't. <laughs> I'll probably get to do some more <laughs> I, tomorrow. I'm procrastinating. And this, this next item, it's, uh, it's last-minute iRacing gift ideas. And it's interesting that we're covering it because I bet you just about everybody on this that's listening is going to want to receive these gifts rather than give them, unless they happen to be unless they happen to be like a father son team or somebody who's lucky enough to have a wife that races too. Um, but yeah, check this link out. There's all kinds of neat uh, i racing gift ideas, including uh, uh, Christopher Bell helmets. Uh, is it Christopher Bell or just Bell? No, the, Bell helmet. Bell helmet. I racing helmet. Right. Yeah, that's six hundred bucks. And then there's a T-shirt place. Yeah, there's a T-shirt place. There's there's a another deal for uh, from the NASCAR shop. There's all kinds of great deals on here. Check that link out, and you can find all kinds of uh, great deals. Um, if you've got somebody close to you that's also I racing, or if you want to give yourself your own little Christmas present. It's kind of like their partner list and what they're offering, like Richmond Raceway Holiday Ticket Package. 
There's also an offer for virtual racing school. So if you guys are going to get VRS, I think you can get a coupon or something there and so forth. AccuForce V2, $75 off. So that's iRacing.com slash holiday-shopping-partner. Uh, they put up a web link for that. All right, let's keep moving. Uh, somebody asked me to talk about how I run my audio. And I know we've talked about it before, but we get a lot of new listeners. So let's just review it real quick. Uh, I have a separate room. I can close the door. And so I want to simulate the engine noise as loud as I can. And I do turn it up quite loud. Um, I have it coming out of computer speakers in the front, a left and a right. And then I have a big home theater subwoofer uh, right behind my seat. And all engine sound is coming out of those three speakers. Uh, everything else is uh, with my headset microphone, which is a Logitech. Uh, this allows me to have separate volume control over all sounds uh, happening. So I have a separate volume and mute for the driver chat. And I run it very, very soft when I can barely hear what's being said. Um, I will often put it on mute during cautions when they're talking. Um, um, and then when we get the one to go, I'll definitely have it on mute, you know, uh, as, as we come to the green. I have a separate mute for TeamSpeak, and I do cut that off only when it gets crazy, but it usually doesn't. Um, I have separate buttons for volume controls for Spotter. I also keep that at a fairly low volume. So to review, there's eight buttons for volumes and mutes. Uh, we got up, down for Spotter, drivers, TeamSpeak, and engines. Then you have a mute for the spotters, drivers, team speak, and engines, and that's four more. Our teammate Will was able to put his information in on this, so I'll, I'll give us I'll give you a read for that. He uses a pair of Astro fifties. Um, he uses his digital optical, which is a fiber optic uh, connection, out of his PC for his headset to get the game audio, as well as well eye racing and everything minus the spotter. He uses micro USB connection to the headset set headset base to get the voice channel and the headset which he uses for the spotter and team speak he does not use in game race chat it's so that way he doesn't say something stupid and get banned and he can get distracted with it he used to have a button to unmute and listen to call out steering cautions for where the pace car was but he's learned to to live without it as well uh he has a basic set of speakers and a sub hooked up at the base of the rig so he so anyone who tests it out doesn't have to wear his headset and then I, I go headset only. I, I have speakers that I use for some other stuff, but my rig is actually not in line with where the rest of my computer is. So when I'm sitting in my rig, since I use VR, I'm, I can't even see my monitors. I have to use the virtual desktop if I want to do anything while I'm sitting in my rig. Uh, I have Sony headphones. They're studio quality headphones because I, I do sound engineering work uh, for a lot of the high school uh, bands around the area um, and, and some local singers. And with the Oculus, the new Rift S doesn't have its own sound. Well, it has its own sound system, but it's kind of crummy. But the way, the way it's set up, I just fit it over my Sony headphones, and they get great sound. I love how they sound. And I run just about all of my sounds into my headphone, um, and I use my Yeti mic for my outputs. And I also use a virtual audio cable so that on streaming, my TeamSpeak, when I'm my TeamSpeak teammates, none of their chat goes into my stream. So every once in a while, somebody will be on the stream and will be like, who are you talking to? And I was like, so it's my stream, TeamSpeak teammates. But I kind of protect them a little bit from, from saying anything when the stream is up. Okay. So how do you adjust if you need the driver chat softer or louder, though? Um, 
I don't. I pretty much have everything. I know I have everything where I need, and occasionally something will mess up one of the volumes, but it, I, I can uh, usually have it fixed before I get into an actual race. I have a button to mute uh, in-game chat if I want, because uh, I'll do that sometimes, especially if I've just been in a wreck, just to keep myself out of trouble. Uh, and I have a button that mutes TeamSpeak because instead of having to reconnect to TeamSpeak all the time, I'll often just flick flick the button and set myself to away. Yeah, I like I have a hard time hearing sometimes, especially when there's background noise like engine noise. And so when I first started and I had the engine noise in the headphone with the talking, I couldn't understand what people were saying. And so that's why I run it the way I do uh, and have it separate. And that way I could really turn up the headphones and hear what other people are saying, regardless of the speakers. And so mm -hmm. I definitely like to get the engines to a certain level now. And another sound tip that I use, some people don't like it, but it, it's really beneficial in a sim where you don't feel the G-forces. I turn, I've used this ever since I ran R-Factor 10 years ago, um, I turn sound, I turn the engine sound to its lowest level, and I turn the tires all the way up. So it's a lot easier for me to hear how much abuse I'm giving to the tires. Okay, good tip. I think I'm running mine pretty much all the same level, but I, I haven't adjusted that. Okay, BMW 120s are back. Yeah, this was a popular event that a lot of people are asking for, and it's uh, going to be running again. There's a schedule of several different events, uh, starting with a Daytona road course event on January 12th. And it's utilizing the same two-driver dream format that they use in all the 2019 events. Um, they will be announcing a full schedule as well as amazing prize list, and it's tempting me to go ahead and buy another GTE car. Uh, I have two of them now, so I might try this out as well because that ends up being the class that I seem to have. The, well, I have a lot of success in the GTE as well as the LMP, but it, it you know, there's really good drivers that that blow me away. But still, you never know when you might get that that lucky run. So teams of two drivers, open setup, 120 minutes. So each guy does an hour. Pretty much, and it's really that unless they're unless they're limiting the fuel tank, then that's basically one pit stop as well. Yeah. All right, that'll be interesting. Uh, next up, we had a quick update from Tony Gardner about rain. He said we're working on it as fast as we can, along with an overall improved weather system. But there's quite a lot to it. Unfortunately, we're not in a position to give a realistic time estimate for release. But they're working on it. Hashtag soon. All right. <laughs> Next up was uh, the VRS Sprint Week 1 has been moved to standing starts, but they, oh, that got fixed in the patch, right? It did. As well as that, we mentioned it already earlier, the Gander Truck Series, they found an aerodynamic bug and they said they fixed it as well. But according to your feedback, they may be still needing to look at that. We'll, we'll I think so. keep you updated on that. Yep. All right. Let's jump to hardware software. All right, so we have a post from a high-end uh, sim racing enthusiast, Eric Bauer. He says, I thought it would be cool to share this. With some extreme luck, I found a real Ferrari 488 steering wheel that comes from a 488 that crashed in the Spa Francorchamps. Um, I knew that Zach from Turn Racing would be interested, and he decided to buy it. He let me take care of the local purchase, and I'm going to ship it to him. He's going to use it for R&D to produce an even more realistic replica wheel. 
He probably he will probably convert it for simulator use too. I wish he says he wishes to keep it for himself, but in return for my help, Zach is going to build me one of his Audi R8 LMS 2020 replicas with Asher Racing dual clutches at a reduced price. That wheel weighs 1.571 kilograms and is 315 millimeters wide and feels at least as good as it looks. It's suede and the buttons, it has buttons with rotaries and coolers and he has a very positive tactical feedback with magnetic carbon shifters for that are very crisp. There's some images and a short video. Yeah, and Turn Racing is known for high-end wheels. So it's kind of cool that they can get their hands on an actual Ferrari wheel and uh, try to, you know, do some replication stuff. I feel a little torn because I like the layout of the Ferrari buttons a little bit better, actually, than the layout of the F1 buttons. But the F1 uh, layout with the premium pedals is is pretty superior as well. Yeah, there's not a, a ton of buttons, but the, it, it's kind of... They're all, all within reach. Yeah. Yeah, they're all within reach. Uh the on the on the F1 but the buttons the three buttons that are way down on the bottom are just about useless when you're on the track because when you, when you're running something in in one of the higher downforce cars where you're 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 full speed and uh, you know hitting the corners fast um and, and particularly with the LMP1s, you're also managing boosting. You're not going to want to take either hand off the wheel, period. It just uh, is too much going on. You don't have enough time. So those wheels are just, those buttons, I, I just don't, I don't have a program for anything. Okay. Next up, a post from Scott Myers on the forums saying the G27 wheel is no longer supported by Logitech uh, officially. And so he was out there searching for drivers. Uh, some some uh, other uh, forum members did find him some downloads uh, where he could get them some alternative places. Uh, but it's interesting that Logitech is no longer uh, supporting that. Mine was definitely on his deathbed when I when I bought the uh, the Fanatec. Uh, no, I'm glad I didn't wait. I'm glad I upgraded my Fanatec wheel when I did. Before my G twenty seven failed, you know that was the smartest thing I've ever done. Yeah, and we're gonna we're gonna we got another topic coming up a little bit later with another guy who's who's a you know well we've talked about him um, so we'll, we'll we'll talk a little bit more about the uh, older equipment versus the newer equipment uh, so we'll table that. But uh, how many wheels do you have? Just the one. Yeah, I've got two, but we got a picture of um, a guy who collects wheels like Jay Leno collects cars. Yeah, I saw that. Man, Jazz CG Lim posted up a picture of his uh, rig setup, but it's not the rig, but it's all the wheels on the desk behind the rig. Uh, how many did you count there? I didn't even try. It's just, it's all across the top. He's got a monitor that's, I guess, an ultra-wide curved monitor that he's using there. And um, that the entire upper surface is covered covered with wheels, and he's got a couple sitting down low as well. I count 25, and uh, and we saw another guy with a bunch of wheels, and I don't remember how many that was, but, uh, boy, this guy's right there at the record. So I guess he changes wheels for literally every uh, every car he gets in to match the car. That's tr that's a commitment to immersion there. Yes, so. Okay, Oculus Rift issue. So there was apparently some kind of audio issue with the Oculus Rift. There's some details that you can get into on how to work around it. 
Um, you were trying to tell me the other day, don't update. The kicker is you don't have a choice. Once the Oculus Rift decides it wants to update, you can't do anything until you go ahead and update. They just don't give you the option to delay it. Um, so I did the update, and all it did was switch my outputs. I had to readjust a couple of my outputs and go back and fix my line in. I actually listen to podcasts when I'm running at road courses, so I had to turn that back up because I feed, I feed it in from my phone. That way I can control the volume on it, or if, if I things get too busy, I just yank the cord out and it automatically stops it. But um, uh, it other than that, it seems to be working for me. But check this link out if you're having audio issues after the most recent Rift update. Yeah, absolutely. I wasn't sure uh, what the heck was going on with that. Next up is something called Intel Plundervolt. <laughs> it's a new attack that targets Intel's overclocking mechanism. And uh, boy, I was looking at the team for some help on deciphering what this means. It's a little bit over my head, but apparently there's a vulnerability uh, that requires locking the voltage in the BIOS to a certain amount. And um, if you don't do that, then you're vulnerable to this thing. And so I haven't figured out yet what, you know, what the outcome of this or resolution is, but I wanted to just mention it. Uh, the people in the tech community are talking about it. Um, it says Intel's 6th, 7th, 8th, 9th, 10th generation core processors are all impacted by the forums So you wonder, we had talked about this a little bit. I have not had any chance to to seek out any of my resources. I'm not, I'm... Anything I know about tech is basically just from either Google or other people. Um, so I don't know much about it, but you mentioned this might affect overclocking to a, to an extent. Yeah, so uh, more to come. I, I think it's too soon to really know what this is all about. Uh, some of the smarter people in the community are discussing it in the forums. Uh, one guy just says, uh, who, Clive Norton, who actually is pretty good at this stuff, he said uh, the the answer here is just go into your BIOS and lock the voltage to 1.35 and you're done. The OS and software won't be able to change it any further. And so I think part of it is the BIOS, their motherboards are going to start releasing BIOS updates that may stop the overclocking. And so if you update the BIOS, this potentially prevent you from doing overclocking. That's my understanding. Okay. Uh, it makes it kind of like we're going way off topic here. Well, not off topic, but not off of our, our typical format. Um, I, it makes you wonder if it's good if it's good business for them to try to basically cut down on overclocking to get you to buy the better chip to begin with. Yeah. And if that's the case, why had, they would I would think they would have done that a long time ago. That's true. You know, like uh, everyone thinks the Apple uh, makes the phones go slow after two years, so you can buy another one. You know. Uh, so maybe something like that. <laughs> All right, next is the Fanatec uh, beta software update. I'm afraid of this, baby. Yeah, it's it's juicy, but it's beta. Uh, there's a whole list on here. There's a bunch of force feedback optimizations, force feedback optimizations, reducing latency. They've increased the bit rate on on the resolution of the signal. Um, they've increased the linearity. More motor control. Uh, they've done some things with the spring effect and damper effect that's improving the behavior. They're, they're continuing to iterate it and, pre and improve it. There's something called linearity mode, which will reduce the maximum force feedback by a small amount so that you can guarantee a consistent output between your peaks and holding forces. 
Um, there's something called force interpol interpolation, which is like a reconstruction filter. That may, I think that helps if you actually get into a clipping situation. There's uh, something that will help with natural inertia, which is particularly important if you're using really light wheels, like the Mulgarin GT3 wheel. There's some other tuning menu fixes and tool tips, but uh, I think this is beta so far, so I haven't installed it and don't know if I will or not. I've, I've seen some horror stories of people who've installed it, uh, so I'm a little hesitant. Now, this is for the Podium DD1 and DD2. And the big thing is the first two items you said, the latency by 23% will be lowered. But the big one, I think, is the increased resolution of the force feedback signal, the 16-bit. That's 256 times better. And that was the big thing that the SimuCube 2 was taunting over the Fanatec wheels, was this increased bit rate. And uh, that was one of the reasons that people were looking at the SimuCube as a better wheel. Now, with this software change, I think that might take that out of effect if I'm reading this right. Yeah, as long as they make sure they get it uh, working nice and clean. Yeah, I think I'm going to wait till it's not beta uh, because I did see some people that had some issues with it. Now, other people said it was working good, so there, I saw a mix. But until I see uh, you know, people consistently using it and liking it, I'm not touching it with a 10-foot pole. My wheel's working good. I've had problems with the wheel before, and I don't want to fool with it. But if you're crazy, go ahead and try it. All right. Next up is a uh, post by Matt Sten to the Fanatec Owners Group. He said there's a new rig launching in two weeks for under $500. It is going to be pre-drilled pre for Fanatec. Uh, it's called the Track Racer TR80. So we've been talking about Track Racer all year. Uh, they're a U.S.-based 8020 cockpit uh, company. Uh, they're cockpit that we've been talking about is the TR-160, and this is the TR-80. So what do you think? An 80-20 cockpit for under 500 bucks? I, I mean, it looks nice. The design looks like a, a typical A-20 rig. I don't know much about the materials. Um, I'd have to probably go see some of the guys who have the access to get, get the material in to do the actual reviews uh, to really Get, learn anything else but it looks it looks like they've got it you know a standard a20 rig good design very adjustable yeah I, I wonder what's different between the 160 and the 80 uh models because uh the normal one the 160 is a 900 hundred dollar unit um without the seat and this is going to be 500 without the seat and if you look at the pictures i mean that they're, they're hard to tell the difference they look the same well, is this is this tweet that you have up here, or or Facebook post? Is that uh, is that just the 820, or are you looking at the website? They don't have the TR80 on the website at all. So I okay. just, uh, we just have the picture of the the Facebook group. Now it they it's a closed group, so there's no links to it. So that's why we're looking at a picture. But yeah, I don't recall what the 160 looks like. Yeah, there's a link that black link right below the picture 160. Ah. Uh -huh. Yeah, but uh, man, I mean, Track Racer is a good company. They're reputable. A lot of people have been buying cockpits from them, and for them to get this new offering out, you know, uh, at five hundred bucks, man, I think that's going to be real popular. This uh, going into twenty twenty. Yeah, it's hard to see a difference at a glance. You have to dive in a little deeper. Maybe made of a of a lighter weight aluminum, aluminum, aluminium, or something. All right. So. From from one low cost rig to another low cost rig, 
Holy cow. Well, let's do a rig review. This is Ty Majeski. And uh, you think he would have something fancy? Nope. Uh, we've had him on, yeah, I mean, he's got the G27. He's got a laptop, and he's got a little desk fan. And he's got a wood desk, and that's it. He's got a pad of paper. I don't even think he has a keyboard or a mouse. He, he just has the laptop. Yeah, it shows you t talent can can definitely be a big deal. Um, and it, it's interesting, you look at a lot of the replies in the threads, and they immediately start trying to diss everybody who's bought more expensive equipment, saying it's not going to make them faster. Um, and I don't necessarily know that I agree with that. Ty Majeski is an, ex you know, he's he's an elite driver who's probably going to hit the top you know, level at some point. So he could, you know, guys like that can take subpar equipment and and make it great. Somebody like me, who's just, a, you know, an average Joe, it did make a huge difference for me every time I upgraded. Yeah. Now, the whole part, point of this was Ty was on Twitter asking, He's thinking about updating his entire sim rig. Anyone have suggestions for wheels, pedals, and sim cockpit frames? And uh, I was busy at work, but David, you jumped in and uh, replied to him and gave him some ideas. Yeah, I just uh, basically tried to plug the podcast and get draw his attention to the podcast. All right, perfect. Yeah, he got a few replies anyway. So if you want to help Ty Majeski make some decisions, uh, hit him up. All right, the next uh, cockpit here. Uh, this is on it. Well, it was iRacing's Instagram, and it was from a guy named Kuba Swiderski, and he uh, uh, put up a picture of a makeshift iRacing rig in his hotel room. He said, "This is true dedication." Uh, and then they ask, "What is the craziest place you have raced from?" And I don't think I've raced uh, outside of my actual office. So I, I, I would say I haven't done this. Yeah, I, I definitely don't know that I would ever want to go back to this after having a rig. But yeah, um, yeah when back in my R-Factor days, we had a terrible ice storm here in Arkansas that knocked the power out at my school for over two weeks. And it was gone here as well. And I was, at that time, I was participating in a Sunday night league that I didn't want to miss. So I actually packed my computer up. And, and that was when I just had the G27. And I drug it to my parents' house further down south where, it, where there was no ice and race. But that, that's the only time I'd ever traveled. But the stuff I have now, I don't really ever see myself packing that up. No. I was actually thinking about uh, getting a new table to put underneath my computer. And I started looking at it, and I'm like, oh, my God, I'd have to yank all the wiring out completely and just, like, literally start over on the wiring. And so that's really holding me back because it's just so much, you know. Well, you could just be my – see, that's the reason I don't worry so much about cable management because it's just more work later. All right, and that's it. Let's get into results. I ran a e-fixed at Talladega, and guess what? 69th career win. So it feels good to get an off-season win, an official, uh, pad my win count a little bit. Of course, it is Talladega, and so that's my bread and butter. Uh, but David, you did even better. You got three official wins. Yeah, Sebring. Um, I'm, I'm just loving it there. And as particularly in that series right now, there's only a few other late-night American drivers that that really pace with me or can outrun me. And um, so in the evenings, I have a better shot at winning or in if I get second split in, in if I'm running Euro time zone, 
But if, if I show up at like ten o'clock, I ran a race on a Saturday, and yeah, the aliens show up, and there, there's no chance. Um, but yeah, picked up three wins, and one of them, I really was one of you know probably the more memorable wins I'll have because uh, there was a guy in there who who always beats me. His his name is Douglas Cloud. We're for, we're friends online, friend rivalries, but for later. For most of the Sebring races, he was outrunning me. He, uh, between lap traffic and me pulling a, a, a little bit of a pit strategy stunt, I stayed close to him and then um, managed to get past him with, on, with some lap traffic. And then some lap traffic really caused us both a problem, but it caused him some undercarriage damage, which probably is what helped. But I posted a video of it actually in several places and even submitted it to top 10. Because uh, we had a battle on the last lap, and he was right there. And I even had to dive bomb a, a GTE car that didn't really get through the turn the right way. Uh, and if I had if I had held up for him, I would have gotten past. Uh, so it was a very exciting finish. Uh, I love picking up those wins any time I can. You know, a win's a win. Yeah, that was a neat replay of that last lap. Uh, at one point, you dropped the rights off on the grass trying to get the guy get around the guy, and you were just kind of squeezing by. Yep, and those cars, <laughs> the grass is risky. All right, and then you also ran a league, uh, the Winter Series, P25. Yeah, um, my first three, there's been five races. I've been able to make three of them, and I've all three been caught up in accidents. Um, I stuck around for attrition and caught up in P25. Uh, P25. Um, and this last one, definitely some frustrations came out uh, as one of the drivers in this invite league, including to iRacing staff members actually cussed out the admins and um, quickly got got his chat banned. Um, so, pro tip: don't cut. If Tyler is in the race, don't cuss. <laughs> you know, I've had my share of chat bans, but I've not done it in front of Tyler. So yeah, that's I've, a new high, huh? That is a new high. Um, <laughs> I've had I haven't had great luck in the race, and a lot of people are frustrated, but. I, it, it, it doesn't have anything to do with how the admins are running the race. It has to do with a combination of the package and fixed setup. Because almost everybody in there um, is is a very high-level racer who's known for the most part racing clean. And But most of us probably get most of our laps in open setup on NIS. And also... Um, it allows us to get a little spread out. Now we're in this one league, and we're not as split like we are in NIS. So there's drivers that we're not familiar with, and there's a fixed setup, which makes it harder to separate, and makes everybody a little bit more impatient. And um, it's this also is running a little bit more international than normal. So there was a lot. There's a lot more net code. Um, so, but I, I just think the NASCAR, the current NASCAR package with fixed setup equals just not fun racing for me, which is why I didn't run fixed setup all year. I'm only doing it for the league because of the novelty and the opportunity to get to race with some of these drivers that I don't usually get to see. I think Alan, the admin, he announced afterwards uh, he was going to trim the fat a little bit. Yeah, he did mention that, but some, I mean, there's probably a couple of drivers that are being a little over aggressive, but I think the majority of it is it's just, that's, it's what you're going to get in a fixed setup race with, with that many good drivers it's just there's no way to separate yourselves with that package all right all right and that's it let's get into final thoughts final thoughts sponsored by all-star graphics from claysburg pa 
They did those awesome stickers for the iRacers Lounge, but they also do car wraps, banners, t-shirts. So if you guys need a team sticker or something, uh, hook it, uh, get them hooked up. All-Star Graphics. All right, David, uh, you and I did the whole show by ourselves. Greg never showed. What's your final thought? Uh, come watch my stream, Mixmage twitch.tv slash mixmage um, i'm also on the facebook but uh the i'm pretty close if i can to getting affiliate i'm almost up to 50 followers and i've got to get my average viewers up which means i probably only start i'm going to try to only stream during prime time when i get, when i tend to get the most viewers instead of streaming every single race that i run uh but yeah come watch it come interact with me i definitely like to talk back to the viewers uh it, it makes some of the races more interesting entertaining because some of the road races you know you get you can get place to places where it's strung out or it's nice to have you guys to vent to and tell me yeah that guy was stupid instead of me um cussing him out on team speak and getting another chat i mean on, on game chat and getting another chat ban all right and um uh... My final thoughts, the 1080 Ti, I haven't heard back uh, from Gigabyte about that yet. It's sent in for RMA. Loving the 2070 Super. That was a great, great, great graphics card choice. I'm totally pleased I didn't uh, pay the extra $230 to go to the next one up or the $1,150 you know, for the one after that. Uh, this $500 card is cutting the mustard, I'm telling you what. And so much so that I've uh, trying to do streaming. Uh, I've been looking for a service that would, f for free, stream to Facebook group as well as Twitch at the same time. And I finally uh, came across one, mobcrush.com. And I tried it out today. I streamed probably about five or six races and it will link to not only your Facebook group, but your Twitch and YouTube at the same time. And so what you do is you put in the stream key uh, straight to the mob uh, crunch. And then from there, it automatically pushes out to those other places. They have a unified chat window. I tested that. I did comments on all three different platforms and could easily see the comments in one place. So... Uh, I'm using that. I'm going to be streaming everything, uh, specifically the NASCAR iRacing series uh, in 2020. Uh, but until then, I'm just kind of testing and, uh, and making sure it works and getting everything tidy and that kind of thing. So, uh, And then congrats to iRacing on the 100,000. Uh, it wasn't too long ago. I think we were saying it was 80. And so that's a big growth uh, in that short amount of time. And uh, I'm just, you know proud to be a part of it you know with our little podcast uh we have a lot of listeners out there and we try to bring the best current information and i uh, hope you guys enjoy and with that we'll see you on the track later thank you for listening to the iRacers lounge podcast make sure to go subscribe to us on itunes soundcloud or google play facebook and twitter See you on the track.